0: Ever wonder why someone goes to work at a company? We have three new staff joining our editorial team, and their stories and insights are fascinating. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This time out, we're meeting three new staff members that are joining the Farm Progress team. Taking on the mantle of an editor covering agriculture is a move not taken lightly, and these three new editors joining us at Farm Progress bring a fresh perspective to their work. You'll meet Sarah McNaughton, Jennifer M. Latsky, and Sierra Day. Each are excited to get to work covering agriculture for their areas. First up is Sarah McNaughton, the new editor of Dakota Farmer, and she shares why she's returned to agricultural journalism. Let's check in with Sarah. Well, Sarah, welcome to Around Farm Progress.
1: Hi, Willie. How are you doing today?
0: Good. I'm uh, hanging in, in, you know, in these times where we only mostly work from home. It's always fun. Um, <laughs> I want to welcome you to Farm Progress. And I guess that's what the point of the podcast this week is to introduce people to some new folks. And you joined us in February, I believe February 1st. And I guess the question I always ask when somebody new comes on into a group is, um, Sarah, why did you apply for a job at Farm Progress?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I actually used to work um, on a radio station here in the upper Midwest. I did a lot of agriculture reporting. I was the farmer farm and ranch reporter and really just got to cover all aspects of agriculture. Um, and then I kind of went into extension work, working a lot with 4-H youth development, a lot of our STEM programs here in Cass County, which is Fargo, North Dakota, um, and then this opportunity came up, and I realized I really had missed ag media and ag journalism, and just kind of threw my hat in the ring for a chance to get back into it. And it seems to have worked out so far.
0: So far, so good. We're yeah. uh, almost two months into this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you are—you already—you have hit the ground running, and your stuff is already appearing online at DakotaFarmer.com. What? Dakota agriculture is different. Uh, that's the point of the Farm Progress team is we have different brands covering different parts of the country. What about Dakota agriculture do you find interesting?
1: Um, I think, first of all, one of my favorite parts of the agriculture industry in general is just all of the fantastic people I get to work with and visit with, from producers to extension staff to people who work in commodity groups. They're all awesome. Um, and that's also just the variants. So not only do we have some really big um, crops that everybody knows about with the wheat, corn, soybeans, but there's also... Um, industrial hemp and canola and all types of things up in this area on top of having um, the state and the regions are kind of divided into the crop side over on the eastern half in the Red River Valley and then kind of as you go farther west there's a lot more ranching and cattle and kind of the small grains so I think it's really interesting to have that big diverse opportunity to cover so many different stories just in the couple state region area.
0: Yeah, I think people would be surprised to know that North and South Dakota are as diverse as some other states. No one's as diverse as California, we'll be clear on that. But the (laughs) other side of that is that uh, if you're buying black beans, most likely they came from the Dakotas. Mm -hmm. I believe that's true as well. uh, And then they've gotten really big into the, what is it, the yellow pea business, which is a very good source of protein for a lot of these new products that are coming out, these uh, plant-based products. So it's pretty interesting, right?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, especially when you talk about, I'm not sure if the statistic is still relevant or correct, but um, North Dakota used to be the world's leading producer of sunflower seeds. Um, And so I think that's a crop that a lot of people kind of forget about, um, especially being grown in the Dakotas. That's a really big part of the industry and kind of fits in those specialty crops. And then there's a ton of um, North Dakota soybeans, especially that go out to the Pacific Northwest and get used for ethanol production for all of these Soy-based food products, just a ton of different things that happen up here.
0: Yeah, I think that if you told somebody 20 years ago that you'd be writing about soybeans in North Dakota, I think they'd be surprised. Yeah. Um, that close to the Canadian border. Of course, um, I've actually visited a production facility for a major seed company in the Fargo area and uh, seen their work. It's fascinating that we have soybeans that far north and there are some in Canada as well, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, You you have a cattle background, right? Or you look at that side of the business too, right?
1: Yeah. So I don't actually have a true ag background like a lot of people might think. I know if anybody had read my latest blog that went up. Um, Neither of my parents are involved in production agriculture. And I really got into it through showing chickens and horses and pigs in 4-H. And then when I came to NDSU, I started off as an animal science and equine science major and was planning to go to vet school. Um, And then my advisor told me how much chemistry and math goes into those degrees. And I kind of just switched (laughs) to production um, with animal science and finally ended up with my ag-com degree, Um, but I was very involved in the animal agriculture aspect. Um, I wanted to be a vet for most of my life because I loved animals and I loved cattle and horses so much and that kind of stayed the same. Um, So I'm definitely the most interested in that aspect just because it's always fun to go out and visit ranches and talk about what's going on with the cows, going out to cattle shows, um, going out to any type of horse shows or other livestock shows happening around. And it's always fun to get to see some calves or other animals in the springtime too.
0: Yeah, it is an interesting area and it's it's actually fun to cover. It's nothing quite as exciting as going out to a ranch somewhere and seeing some cattle and talking to the producers they're dealing with a lot of stuff and it's always fun to write about and right. i don't know i don't have an ag background either i'm not holding that against you but um mm-hmm. it's interesting how this industry evolves uh, and and the work that you're going to do so you have a, a radio background so i would warn people on this podcast you'll probably be hearing from sarah Moore as yeah. she does some work and we include some of her reports on around farm progress going forward but agricultural journalism is changing and it's, it's more digital than it ever was. Um, did you do much in magazines before or what's it like to work in print and digital from your perspective?
1: Um, so I was just telling a couple people I was visiting with this last weekend that I'm basically doing a lot of the same stuff I did on the radio except for now instead of talking about producers I'm writing about them um, but it's kind of a lot of my writing styles too is very conversational because I feel like that's more fun to read a lot of the times. I think especially in this last year, um, I know Farm Progress has mostly been remote work for the most part, but as a lot of more people ended up being remote and working on teams and just staying at home, a lot more things turned digital than I think anybody ever expected to. Um, And that's kind of the trend that I've been noticing and seeing as well is there's a lot more things going digital. There's a lot more presence on social media, like you might Um, not read your local newspaper every day, but you'll probably see a post on your Facebook feed about what happened around the county the last couple days. So I think it's more important than ever to have that digital presence.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, and it it stretches all of us. I'm a tad bit older than you, and it's amazing how much uh, more versatile you have to be in this job versus what when I started, and it was mostly just doing magazines, although I have some radio background, but my experience is that we all have to flex on our jobs in new ways. And uh, you came in at an interesting time. We were nearly a year into the pandemic when you got here. But yes, all Farm Progress editors actually live in the states they cover, and most of them work from, actually all of them work from home now, I believe. So um, so what if uh, you've got a young Dakota farmer reader who's never heard you before or talk for a moment, what would you like them to know about you as you start? Covering more uh, depth, deep, excuse me. Let me back up and I'll start that again. <laughs> so, Sarah, as you get into covering Dakota agriculture, you have a moment here. What would you like to tell readers who may not have met you yet what to expect and uh, what you'd like to do for them in the Dakotas?
1: Yeah, um, I think our agriculture industry is one of the least credited industries of anything. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, especially in urban audiences, maybe don't understand what all farmers and ranchers and producers actually put in to their farms, their ranches and their livelihoods. Um, so I'm really passionate about just sharing their story. Um, and whenever I go out to farms or ranches and visit with producers, I want to hear, of course, what's going on in their fields, any news they might have. But I also want to get their stories and be able to share that and say, hey, this person's like a fifth generation farmer and um, is coming up with all of these new breeding techniques on their branch or even first generation farmers who started with just a business partner were able to start um, from scratch. So it's a lot of just wanting to share agriculture's story with everybody who will listen. (laughs)
0: That sounds good. And a note to the people listening to this podcast, if you're in Dakotas and Sarah calls, please take the call because she wants to talk to you and wants to help tell your story. I think that's very important. We do get to do that. And with social media, we can actually reach beyond our normal farm audience too, as we go forward. And that's always an exciting thing as well. Well, Sarah, it's good to talk to you. I look forward to working with you for many years to come. Thanks very much for your time.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Willie.
0: Thanks to Sarah for that insight, and we're excited to have her covering agriculture in the Dakotas. We move a little farther south now to Jennifer Latsky, the new editor of Kansas Farmer, but she is not new to covering Kansas agriculture. Jenny shares what she sees as potential coverage opportunities in her new position and some insights into key areas for her farmer readers. Well, Jenny, welcome to Around Farm Progress.
2: Thanks, Willie. It's great to be here.
0: I never know whether to call you Jenny or Jennifer. I know your byline is Jennifer, but I think in casual settings, it is Jenny, correct?
2: That's right. Um, My byline reads Jennifer M. Latsky. A little known fact, my brother married a very lovely lady who is also named Jennifer. And so in Kansas, there are two Jennifer Latskys, which is why I use the middle initial.
0: Does she have a byline?
2: No, but she does work for Kansas Farm Bureau. And so... (laughs) We're both in the ag sphere.
0: Well, that's good. We do. We don't want any confusion there. So I want to welcome you to Kansas Farmer. It's exciting to have you on the team. Um, and I guess that's a question I have. What What do you bring to the party at Kansas Farmer? What do you hope to do as new editor of Kansas Farmer?
2: Well, first off, I am tickled to death to um, to bring. Whatever skills I have, whatever humble skills and talent I have, to the table for Kansas Farmer, and thank you for the great opportunity. I'm I'm really just uh really just excited. So I have been in uh, agricultural communications for 20 years for another publication uh, that covers a wide swath of the middle part of the country and Kansas included. And over the last 20 years, I have uh, developed a lot of connections in the industry. I've seen and met and sp- spoken to and interviewed quite a few of the same people that are going to be reading Kansas Farmer uh, over the last 20 years. And I'm, I'm just really excited to go out there and be sure to give folks the information that they need, not only for their farm profitability, but also for their families. And a lot of times I think we, we might Forget that we don't just plant crops out here. We don't just raise um, cattle and, and other livestock out here. We raise families, and a lot of the issues that rural Kansas faces are, are things that uh, directly tie back to agriculture. And there's a, a you know, there, there's a, a big connection between the people that are producing the food and, and the raw materials and the people that are consuming it. Um, even more so each day. And so I think going forward with Kansas Farmer, I'm of course going to work my tail off to get that good production information so everybody has the right handle on what they need to make the right decisions for their actual farms and ranches. But I also want to make those connections for the people that may be ag-adjacent and they are curious about what's going on. And I want to be sure that they have the information so that they can be uh, cheerleaders and supporters and advocates for our people on the farms and ranches of Kansas.
0: Well, that's great, and I think one of the areas that you've branched out into right away in the position is now Kansas Farmer has its own Facebook page and Twitter handle, correct? I mean, you've got those started pretty fast.
2: We do. You know, the the social media sphere is constantly changing, and the flagships that that seem to stick around are your Facebook, are your Twitter, your YouTube, uh, but there are constantly evolving platforms every single day. And, I, and I, as we look forward into the next five, 10, 15, 20 years a Kansas farmer, I believe we're going to, to use those platforms, not just to push out content, which is great. That's great. But I also wanna use them to inspire some conversations and to really take a pulse of what the readers and the Kansas farmer public are asking or, or looking into in their own operations. You know, anybody that's following Ag Twitter on Twitter, they understand that there are certain topics that come up and and those topics deserve to have a, a story or or some other in-depth analysis into them. And so uh Not just, like I said, you know, giving the the daily updates on what's going on and what you need to be aware of, but also, what are you thinking? You know, I want to have a conversation and a dialogue with readers. I think it works best in our field if it's not a one-way communication street. I need to know what you're thinking, and I need to uh, be able to find the people that can give you the answers.
0: That makes sense, and that'll help a lot. And so if you're listening and you're in Kansas... Follow Kansas Farmers Facebook page, Twitter. We will, however, uh, just to be clear on this, be keeping Jenny off of TikTok. That's just a whole different issue. We're not going to go there. Just going to be I clearing that it... right out of the front that no TikTok is <laughs> happening in Kansas Farmers. We do have a YouTube page. That's the Farm Progress Daily YouTube page. And that's a very vibrant place to see a lot of different things that we're up to. And I think we're going to use media in new ways. That's for sure. So um, you've covered Kansas for quite a while. Um, Kansas has become so diverse as a crop state. I mean, when I started in agriculture <clears throat> 40 years ago, um, <laughs> you thought of Kansas as waving wheat. And that was pretty much about it. Wheat, chem fallow, the whole ball of wax, right? And today, everything's there.
2: It really is. You know, diversification, though, has always been around. I'm, I grew up in the, the edge of the Flint Hills in Kansas. My mm-hmm. family raised registered, registered Angus cattle. We were a seed stock producer, but my dad and and grandpa and my my brother and my mom they also raised uh, wheat and we had milo or sorghum we had uh, corn silage corn for silage uh, we also raised alfalfa there was a lot of diversification because you know at any point in time a lot of it obviously was going through the cattle but uh, there also was a, a really we we need to it was a it was good for cash crops too. So I think looking today, you see a lot of farmers that, yes, wheat is always going to be central to their rotations, but it may not be the king of their farm. They're using it to help them with some soil health stabilities. They're using it to rotate between crops. Uh, They're also looking at, you know, in the south, in the southern part of Kansas, we've got a lot of cotton coming in because the cotton companies have uh, developed Varieties that will do better in our in our environment with our short with our shorter seasons. We've got a lot of sorghum that is really utilizing the the low water that we have in some spots over the aquifer to the best ability. It's given corn a, a run for its money when it comes to uh, feedstocks. Of course, we've got corn and soybeans that are tremendous. Um, they are they bring tremendous value to the state of Kansas, and then of course we've got our livestock. Beef is really the the um, biggest contributor to Kansas by far, but we've got a lot of large dairies that have seen our our state and they're relocating out here because they ha- we have the ground that they can expand on. Uh, we have a, a steady supply of labor. We have friendly business atmosphere, a friendly uh, environmental atmosphere. They can work with us. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities. And we're also seeing some folks dip their toes into renewable energy, whether that's the ethanol plants that we have across our state or the wind farms that have popped up in the western half of the state. And those wind turbines, uh, those are Providing some incredible infusions of cash to some of these small towns, and and uh, so I think yes, there's a lot more to Kansas than just wheat. We're a lot more than the yellow brick road and Toto, <laughs> and I think when you go across the state, you're you're going to be very surprised at what you see out the out the window.
0: It is a big change. I mean, it's it's important to watch a state grow and change, but that also means great content possibilities because all those crops have their own management challenges and all those other businesses have their own opportunities. Jenny, we're going to be enjoying watching what you do at Kansas Farmer and following along. I know that people should know that you'll probably be a part of this podcast in the future, whether as a guest, but also as you do your own stories and provide audio, we'll be doing more of that on Around Farm Progress and we look forward to working with you. You have a great day.
2: Thank you, Willie. We'll see you on the road.
0: Thanks to Jenny Latsky for her perspective, and we know she's already hard at work generating content for Kansas Farmer. And don't forget to like the new Kansas Farmer Facebook page. You can find it by searching from your own Facebook page. If you could pick a great job right now out of college, besides heading home to farm, getting a gig at Farm Progress is a great opportunity. Sure, I'm biased, but it's exciting to welcome a new grad to the Farm Progress team. Sierra Day is the new field editor at Prairie Farmer, and she shares some thoughts she has as she enters her new career. Sierra, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Hi. <laughs> it's good. Good to have <laughs> you. You know, you're you're the newest member of the team, one of three new ones we're talking to this week. Uh, I added you as the last interview because I think uh, you're also coming into this job with a little different background. I think this is uh, really your first job out of college, isn't it? Or one of them?
3: Yes, you are correct. This is my first full-time big girl job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is where your parents say you're off the payroll. Anyway,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, congratulations and welcome. And I guess that's the first question. I mean, you 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 went to school, you went to Kansas State University, um, and you're back in Illinois, and you're from Illinois, but why did you want to be an ag journalist? Why did you want to get into this business?
3: Yeah, so funny story. If you would have asked me when I was in high school, i wanted to be a veterinarian Uh, from there i wanted to be an embryologist and actually when i got to kansas state i wanted to be a ruminant nutritionist i was going to go get my phd in ruminant nutrition and i was going to make an impact in the industry that way i think from the i mean every time whether it was a career switch or what have you i always had this drive to be an impact in the industry And as I've gotten older, um, and as I got to K-State and had the opportunity to take communications classes, I realized how much I enjoyed just the communications aspect of the industry. You know, there's the people that are really um, scientific-brained, and that's important in our industry. That's how we prosper. There's people that are really creative, and then there's people right in between. And I had never seen myself as someone right in between until those communication classes at K-State. And from there, I just, you know, I wanted to do something in communications. I wanted to do something to impact um, producers and farmers or youth, something. Uh, but I just didn't know if that was going to be graphic design, um, a communication specialist, or journalism. And so when this, uh, the job opening at Prairie Farmer came open, I was like, you know, I like telling stories about producers in our industry. I like telling um stories about research and things like that for our producers and for our farmers. So I thought, well, why not? And now we're here.
0: (laughs) It's pretty good. And remember, as an ag journalist, the the organic chemistry requirement's a lot different. (laughs) Just going to go there. uh, Sarah McNaughton, who's also who uh, we talked to for this podcast, made a comment that she was headed for veterinary and then she found out all the chemistry and biology and (laughs) decided that communications might be a better place as someone who has a straight journalism degree, um, uh, and, but a science background because I was in engineering, physics, and calculus for a year at college. Um, science is fine. I like to write about it. I don't want to do it, so that's all good. Uh, so we yeah. can, and that's the best part. I do have a, I do have a, a, a chuckle. Uh, Holly posted the news about this opening on Facebook for Prairie Farmer, and someone actually tagged you. In the, in the comments and said, Sierra, this job is perfect for you. And we were excited about that. So that's cool. So you're coming to Prairie Farmer, the oldest and longest continuously published magazine brand in the United States. 180 years old. Um, Sierra, you're, what are you bringing to the party?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously I'm fresh out of college 23. And some people may be like, oh, wow, <laughs> she's young. But I think, you know. Um, definitely a different perspective. Granted, you know, the farmer's uh, average age is getting older to an extent, but I think just another perspective of how can we reach our target audience? Um, I still feel like I'm in school when I say that, but like we spent a lot of time with like strategic planning about how can we make our communications plans and how can we engage the reader or, or engage our audience. And so I think just another um, perspective and, you know, granted, social media and things are not necessarily the biggest thing, although it is really important to get like the website and the digital uh, stories out there. Uh, Holly and I have been talking about that, and I'm really excited to see if how we can amp up the social media at Prairie Farmer just a little bit more to get even more
0: engagement on the website. I'm excited about that. So is Holly Spangler, (laughs) the editor of Prairie Farmer, which that is one of our more vibrant Facebook positions. And Mm -hmm. so that's exciting to hear. And that's cool. Um, You do have a strong farm background um, and you've raised cattle and you've been around cattle quite a bit all your life. But cattle is going to continue to be a part of your life. Can you tell me about that a little bit?
3: Yeah. So like you said, grew up um, 10th generation agriculturalist, and my parents will tell you we have cattle Um, because of me. (laughs) I live (laughs) and breathe it completely. Um, Dad thinks it's a big expense and it's the love um, for, it's my passion, it's my love, it's all about um, what I'm about. And um, with that, my um, significant other and I, Austin Walter, were talking at the beginning of this year and said, you know, how can we impact others in another way? Just by doing what we love. Um, his family ha- runs a feedlot. And so they, you know, they live and breathe that all the time. And uh, both of our families have always offered bulk beef. You know, when we have a steer, um, we are offering freezer beef to local families. But we had been hearing things like, you know, I can't take a quarter of a beef. I can't keep half a beef. I can't keep whole beef. I just don't have that much freezer room, which is very understandable. <laughs> But people really want to know where their beef is coming from. They really want to support local, especially with COVID times now, you know, supporting small businesses is pretty important. And we thought, well, we could offer retail meat cuts. And so that's what we're doing. We're offering primarily retail meat or beef right now, um, but we're also still offering that bulk beef order.
0: Oh, cool. So it's a nice new business for you. and. And Austin, right? I think I got the name right. Yes. Um, that is cool. That's a, that's exciting. Entrepreneurism is part of agriculture, as we all know, and, and maybe some of what you learn from doing that can be translated into good content for the reader. So one of the things about Illinois agriculture – is that it's a different kind of diversity. You know, if we talk about the Dakotas, there's a lot of different kind of crops. Kansas, a lot of different kind of crops. Illinois a lot of corn and soybeans, but then there's diversity in non-GMO corn, non-GMO beans, high oleic beans, um, just a lot of interesting things going on in people, I think would be surprised at how diverse corn and soybeans can actually be. But what are you interested in writing about? What are the stories besides beef? I'm just gonna let you have that as a past. <laughs> yeah. Besides beef, what else do you think you, you would look, enjoy writing about?
3: Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, grew up um, around agriculture my entire life. And you know, while the cattle side of things is my top priority, I spent just as much time in farm machinery with Grandpa as I did out in the barn with Mom and Dad. Um, we thrive on our family farm of crop and soy or corn and soybeans, excuse me. And so I think just learning more as I write on the crop side of things, especially corn and soybeans, you know, that puts me that much more knowledgeable into our family farm, which you know, obviously I've been uh, involved, but not as involved as my younger brother. You know, if you need me to drive machinery or things like that, I'll be right there and I can do it. Um, But never got into the whole scientific, um, really scientific things. You know, just the general agronomy things is what my knowledge base is. So just really interested in being able to write about that. And then also some things that Holly and I have been talking about, um, like a story about ag education. That's really also important to me, you know, especially in Illinois. Um, Unfortunately, there tends to be more openings uh, versus new ag ed grads, so just looking at some things like that that are really affecting Illinois agriculture
0: as a whole. Well, Sierra, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Welcome aboard. I'm sure we'll speak again in the future on the podcast, and um, I'm looking forward to reading your work and working with you, and I know for a fact I'm probably going to see you at least at the Farm Progress Show. (laughs) We're all going to Decatur. Yes. Take care and have a great day.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: This is exciting. Three new editors taking on the role of covering agriculture in their respective parts of the country. We welcome Sarah McNaughton, Jennifer Latsky and Sierra Day to the team and look forward to working with them in the future. And I know you'll enjoy reading their work too. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team and experts in our industry. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and the new Farm Progress virtual experience. You still have time to check out the virtual event, but time is running out, and when you visit the site, you can learn more about our live event, too, coming up this fall. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vode, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.